Welcome to the Radical Remission Project Stories That Heal podcast. My name is Kelly A. Turner, and I'm a PhD cancer researcher, New York Times bestselling author of Radical Remission and Radical Hope, and the founder of the Radical Remission Project. In this podcast, it is our honor to bring you inspiring healing stories directly from radical remission survivors themselves, as well as from the amazing doctors and healers they work with. Hello, and welcome to the Stories That Heal podcast. This is Carla, and today Liz and I are excited to welcome our radical remission thriver, Lisa Tarantino. Lisa was diagnosed with stage 3C endometrial cancer in June 2017. After six months of chemotherapy and six surgeries, she was unable to continue her course of treatment due to a compromised immune system. Her immune system was extremely depleted, and she was told she was at higher risk for recurrence. So Lisa sought out ways to boost her body's immune system and to keep herself in remission. She quickly found the Radical Remission's 10 healing factors and started implementing them into her daily life. Radical Remission has been at the forefront of Lisa overcoming cancer and staying in remission since 2018. Today, Lisa is a functional nutrition counselor and radical remission coach. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the Stories That Heal podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us today as our guest. Hi, ladies. I feel so blessed to be here with you. Thank you for having me. We are very excited to have you here. I will just say I am working with the half of a voice today. So <laughs> I'm still very excited and I know I'm going to have great questions to ask. So thank you so much for sitting here and being here with us. And we're very excited to talk to you all about your healing journey. Um, if you'd like to start out, maybe share just a few details in your own words. I know we shared a little bit about it in the intro, but tell us about your diagnosis and your journey a bit. Sure. I was diagnosed in June of 2017 with, it was stage, they thought it was stage one endometrial cancer at the time. Um, in August of 2017, I had a full um, robotic endoscopic hysterectomy. And two weeks after the pathology came back, it was determined then that I was indeed stage 3C. I had um, isolated tumor cells in several of my lymph nodes. And my um, standard of care recommendation was six months of aggressive chemo, followed by six weeks of internal and external radiation. So I made that decision quickly, as many people do out of fear, and um, got my oncology team together. I immediately went and got some second opinions. Um, my husband is a cancer survivor, so I've been through this before. So I found a gynecological oncologist in Orlando and had my surgery with him. Shortly after that, I had my first port surgery and my first chemotherapy treatment in September of 2017. So after my very first chemotherapy session, I went back the next day and I had for my uh, new last anupagin shot, which is very common to boost your immune system. And I had a very high fever. I was sent to the emergency room and I actually had sepsis. And it was funny in the emergency room because they couldn't figure out where the infection was coming from. So they were gonna send me home with an antibiotic. 
And that is the moment I started advocating for myself and empowering myself because I said, you know, no, I'm not going to go home. You need to find out where this infection is coming from. And how about you start with the swollen red port? That looks like that might be infected. So they did. They brought in an infectious doctor. I was in the hospital for three weeks, had to stop my chemotherapy treatments, which I just began. And I also had to go through four weeks of having a midline IV in my arm and giving myself antibiotics. So when that was all completed, I had to have that port removed and another port put in. So I had a lot of complications in the very beginning. But I have to say, I always had such a strong reason for living. I had my, my grandson living with me at the time, my son, and he was just my, my driving force, you know? So I, I really never got depressed. I was just, I just wanted to heal, just wanted to heal. And I immediately started researching. I've always been a researcher. I've never completely put my faith in the doctors alone. I've always um, believed that the, the body has an ability to heal itself. So I did that. I started reading everything I could find on the internet, read all these different books. I read a lot of autobiographies also about people that have healed themselves from cancer with conventional medicine and with holistic medicine or sometimes both. So at that point, I decided to hire a traditional Chinese medical doctor who was helping support my immune system during the time. He prescribed um, Chinese herbs and acupuncture, and he recommended that I go on the ketogenic diet. So I always questioned everything, and I knew that I didn't believe in the traditional ketogenic diet. So of course, I made it a little more difficult for myself and did plant-based keto, which was, which was challenging, especially when you're going through chemo. And coincidentally, I was not one of those people that had the vomiting and those type of side effects. I actually gained 40 pounds during chemo. So the ketogenic diet really gave me a lot of energy. I remember um, my husband buying me a treadmill on Craigslist to keep it home so I could get some exercise because my immune system was compromised. I was afraid to go to the gym. Um, I also was looking into IV therapy. So I had my chemotherapy every three weeks. So in between, I would get high-dose vitamin C therapy and um, ozone therapy IV. And I did that through chemotherapy and for about a year after I completed chemotherapy. That's amazing, Lisa. Did you um, tell your conventional oncologist you were doing these IV therapies? Did they know? I did not. Yeah. <laughs> I so did not. I, I knew. Don't like yeah. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I knew he was not on board. Before I went and really investigated it and where I was going to go, I brought it up and I was always shunned. So I kept those little pieces of information to myself because he knew my um, traditional Chinese medical doctor, Dr. Scheidt, very well. Um, he didn't approve of that either. So I knew very early on, you know, when I went through the chemotherapy sessions and they had sodas and, and cookies in the chemo suite, I was horrified because although I wasn't a nutrition coach at the time, I mean, I just thought it was common sense. You know, you want to put healthy things into your body and avoid the, the sugary um, processed foods. Yeah. So, 
unfortunately, those conventional docs and places feel like you just need to keep the weight on. You just need to keep eating anything you want. Just keep eating. Exactly. So you can imagine my oncologist was thrilled that I was gaining weight. He just thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. <laughs> um, until I started losing the weight doing the keto, obviously. So I was getting towards the end of chemotherapy and it was really taking a toll on me. Um, I just, my immune system was really depleted. Unbeknownst to me, I did not know, I was not aware that my immune system was compromised before I began chemo. No, the doctors didn't tell me. And in the very beginning, I didn't get my records. I soon after I started, started to get my records, but I thought, my low white blood cells, my low neutrophils and lymphocytes were due to the chemo. So I didn't know I started that way. So when I finished chemo and they were trying to get me ready for radiation, the oncologist became very concerned because they give you the nulasta to boost the white blood cells and they just kept giving it to me and nothing was happening. And I have to tell you, honestly, I did not want to do chemo. I did not want to do radiation in any which way. I don't know if it was my intuition, if God was leading me, but I did not want to do it. And so I was unable to. I had a bone marrow biopsy that determined that I had a genetic predisposition for a compromised immune system. So it was at this point that they said that that was off the table, the radiation, that it would not survive it. So I said to my oncologist, well, what do I do now? He says, well, you're in remission, go home and live your life and your immune system will come back by itself. I was horrified. <laughs> that was the first time I got angry about my cancer, right? I just thought that was the most ridiculous information and advice that he gave me. And I went home and I really started to get depressed, you know? So I knew that I had to take this into my own hands, right? So I started to learn how to meditate. I started to do uh, learn how to reduce the stress in my, my life. Um, interestingly enough, when I started chemo, I just developed these strong boundaries that I had never had before. I was a bona fide people pleaser. Um, I never said no to anybody. And I just started saying no. I started to go on social media and delete and block people that were negative on their social media. Um, and I just cut out any toxic relationships in my life. And I immediately felt so much better. So I just started investigating. And shortly after that, I went to a convention in West Palm Beach, Florida, run by Ann Fonfa, the Anti-Alpaseed Convention. And that changed my life. I mean, I still get chills thinking about it. Because here I am attending my first cancer convention, and I'm thinking that everybody there is going to look sick, right? But everybody was like on fire for healing. It was totally amazing. And so I met this beautiful woman there, Tracy White, who is the co-author of Radical Hope. And we spent a lot of time chatting over the, the few days of the convention. And she was like, I think that you should look into radical remission. And I think you should be an instructor, a workshop instructor. <laughs> and I'll never forget that. And I hadn't been through any coaching or nutrition training back then, so I didn't have the credentials, but I was so interested in it. And so when I came home, I read the books, Radical Remission, Radical Hope, became enthralled in it. 
And as I'm reading it, I'm realizing that I was already doing many of the healing factors. I had already implemented so many of them into my life. Um, one that was major for me was spirituality. Um, shortly after I was diagnosed, I had a friend that was bringing me to church. You know, I grew up a, a, a Catholic going to church every Sunday, but I didn't really have a spiritual practice or relationship with God. And she brought me to this Church Christ Fellowship, which is very big in South Florida. And I just had such a sense of peace. Um, I remember going over to one of the pastors who saw me for the first time, didn't know who I was, and saying, I want to start a cancer support group here. And he says, really? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's easy. So they were very, very supportive. So during that time, after I finished my um, standard of care treatment, I also got involved in church and started my cancer support group, which to this day I still lead. And I lead it as a positive group. I share a lot about the factors and radical remission. I have a motto that I want people to feel better when they leave than when they came. And so that was something else that I did when I finished. So as I'm researching and reading about radical remission, I realized that there were still some things I needed to work on. And I found the radical remission workshop. So I signed up for that. You ladies were some of the teachers. And oh, so that you again, did big, you did the big live stream workshop with us then, right? Did I did. That was 2020. Yes, yeah. I did. Nice. And it was perfect timing. We were in lockdown mm -hmm. and I was just, I was all in on it. What were the factors that you think you've mentioned a lot of them already that mm -hmm. you've done even before finding the book? What do you think were the the bigger ones that you didn't really know anything about that you needed once you read the book, you learned and needed to now dig into those? Releasing suppressed emotions was a big one for me because I was somebody that ate my feelings. You know, we I found now today that every single person I have spoken to or coached or met that has cancer has some type of past trauma in their life whether it's the death of a loved one, a financial hardship, a divorce. And I had been through all of those things, and I never thought of them as traumas because I've always been what I called a survivor, right? I just pull my, you know, you pull your bootstraps up and you just go on with your life. So it never really affected me that way. But what I realized was I was never dealing with those traumas. I never really had tackled all that I had been through I was just moving on and moving on to the next thing. And then something else would happen. And I had um, quite a horrible financial hardship, actually. So that was one of the first things that I dove into um, was, was dealing with all those emotions and the forgiveness that I had to give the person that caused this. And I also, a couple years after that, I had to learn how to forgive myself. I had a really lovely, supportive friend that said to me, you know, have you ever forgave yourself for getting yourself into that business situation? You probably have a lot of guilt with it. And I did. Yeah. So, and I still work on those things to this day. That's something that's still a work in progress for me. Those forgiveness things tend to have lots of layers, right? They and do. You've got to work on it and, and you feel like, okay, I, I'm good with that. But there's usually something else under there that you need to keep working on. And it's rarely a one and done check. I'm done with that. So 
absolutely yeah yeah I was thinking about that as you were sharing that story about how powerful that can be to ultimate healing is finding like taking the time to dig into those traumas or those really kind of big times of suffering and making peace with them, learning about them, looking at them and mm-hmm. accepting them from different perspectives, right? Like you forgave the the person that you felt, you know, caused the problem, but then you also looked at yep. yourself and, and I think that's really a beautiful lesson for people to hear is, you know, take the, take the time to look at yes. that. Absolutely. And, you know, I think increasing positive emotions was one that really stuck with me too, because I spent a lot of time making sure everybody else was happy in my life, right? I think as women, we can really all relate to that. So I had to find out what I really needed and how, who did I really want to spend time with, right? So I really, I developed such a strong support system at my church. So I started spending more time there. I had some longtime friends that were so supportive with me during my cancer journey and my whole life, you know, I started just picking up the, instead of texting, picking up the phone and calling them, you know? So then I, I had to find out what, what really brings me joy? What do I like to do for fun? Because I wasn't doing anything for fun. I was always putting everybody else first. And that's actually something I still struggle with a little bit today. <laughs> and so I started spending more time in the beach and you know, going on vacations and planning things. And I think planning things when you're going through cancer is so super important to have something to look forward to. You know, check off those bucket list items, make a bucket list. I even made um, a vision board of all the people that I loved and certain Bible verses that were important to me, certain scripture and places that I wanted to visit. So, and I, I kept that in my room and I was convalescing those few days after chemo and I, and I still have it and I've done many of those things now. So that's, that's an awesome feeling. Beautiful. Yeah. Love it when you yeah. can achieve the things you set out for. And so many of us don't even stop and think about what is it I really want? We just, we just yeah. get on that daily grind that what I like to call the hamster wheel and, yeah. and we forget. We forget to stop and look at what's really going on in our lives and what do we really want. So I think Absolutely. for a lot of us that have been diagnosed, reprioritizing our lives is a is a big piece of something we can learn from it. Yeah. It is. It's true. I really believe that people need to, to change the terrain in which the cancer grew. I tell my clients that all the time. You cannot expect to completely heal from cancer and get your, stay in remission if you're still having those toxic relationships and you're not working on these healing factors. It just made so much sense to me. And, and that's the advice I give my clients. You really need to change the terrain in which your cancer grew. And I think it's so easy for people to just go the norm and do the chemo and then go back to living the way they were. And that's, that's not helpful for them. You know, the body has an amazing ability to heal itself, I truly believe. And we need to do things to help that along. And these 10 factors really support that. Being diagnosed with a serious health challenge can be emotional and overwhelming. At Radical Remission, we believe no one needs to face a diagnosis alone. 
Our certified health coaches work one-on-one -on -one or in small groups to support people living with a diagnosis to integrate the 10 healing factors of radical remission. Our team of coaches include national board certified health coaches, doctors, nurses, and other medical practitioners, as well as mental health providers. Our coaches meet each person where they are on their healing journey to offer support, accountability, and goal setting in a positive manner. Check out RadicalRemission.com to find your health coach and connect with them to learn more about what it might look like to work together. See the show notes for links to find a coach on RadicalRemission.com. If you would like to learn more about the healing factors, join a Radical Remission workshop to learn how to implement them into your life. You will learn how lifestyle choices such as diet change, increasing positive emotions, empowerment, and more can boost your immune system in scientifically proven ways. Our workshops follow a unique interactive format that encourages sharing and social support. You will create a self-designed one-week, one-month, and six-month action plan that you can begin to implement right away. For many, a Radical Remission workshop is the first step in finding a like-minded, uplifting, healing community. The 10 factors of radical remission can be used safely by anyone on any healing journey, as well as for prevention. These 10 factors will aid you in improving your immune function and have helped many people overcome cancer or other chronic diseases. Check out RadicalRemission.com to find virtual and in-person workshops and other events. So Lisa, what have you done to strengthen your compromised immune system? I know that was a big part of some of the complications that occurred during your treatment, but what do you, what did you do then? And kind of how do you maintain that today? Yes, that was um, a big thing for me because I really felt like the, the doctors had no answers for me at all. And, you know, my traditional Chinese medical doctor helped a lot with the Chinese herbs, but it still was, it was still struggling. And so that's when I went to school to become a functional, certified functional nutrition coach, because I honestly could not find anyone around me to help me. And so I eat a plant-based diet. I radically changed my diet very soon um, after being diagnosed, but especially when I finished chemo. So I do that. Um, I also um, take a lot of herbs and supplements. The diet alone isn't enough for my immune problem. So I take some medicinal mushrooms, um, herbal remedies, tinctures, lots of things like that, acupuncture. Um, I do meditation. Exercise is a big thing for me. Um, and I also continued with the IVC and the ozone therapy. And actually now I'm doing mistletoe therapy which is giving me a lot of energy and is we're working on getting me the right dose to boost my immune system. But it's something else I learned at one of the Antiopolis Heat Conventions. And so I'm doing that as well. Um, I just think that all the healing factors really work on boosting your immune system. So I, I work on those every single day, every single day. And it just becomes part of your life. It's not like you're waking up saying, oh, I got to work on empowerment today. You know, it just becomes that way. And I really recommend to people with the empowerment factor is to really lean into that. 
because we get in such a habit of just trusting everything the doctors say. And part of the, the problem when you're going through cancer is that you feel like it's out of your control, right? You have to trust everything they say, but you have to put that control back in your hands. I tell people, you are the captain of your team, right? They're coaches, you're the captain. You make the rules, you ask as many questions as you want, and feeling empowered really gives you such a rush, and it really helps to boost your immune system as well. That's great. I love that. Um, so you've listed a lot of different things that you do, which is really mm -hmm. great. I love how validating that is for the healing factors on your journey really um, held a special place, and I, I appreciate that. Um, and, but I am curious if there's anything that you know might surprise the the audience or something that uh, a modality that you may have tried or heard about that kind of seemed a little out there or something you did that was perceived as a little out there for your friends and family. Everything I did, my friends and family thought I was crazy. Um, <laughs> but I did when I finished chemotherapy, I went through a detox series. And I did a lot of coffee enemas, which honestly was, it's not my favorite thing to do, but I still do them, you know, not regularly now, but I was really regular with them. Um, I continued with the IBC. I actually stopped when I couldn't access my veins anymore. So I actually have a home ozone machine and do rectal insufflations myself, make myself ozone water, so I'm really, um, the ozone has really helped my immune system. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I, I can welcome. see where, you know, coffee enemas come up in our interviews time to time, <laughs> but I could say from a, uh, a friends and family perspective, that probably does sound a little odd, but they yeah, tried and absolutely. true. Yes, absolutely. I, I have to tell you, I probably threw the whole kitchen sink at it. You know, I tried everything at least once. <laughs> And then, you know, I really think it was my intuition leading me into what was what I really wanted to stick with, right? Because I tried other things and they weren't working for me. So the, the things that I did were really key in my healing journey. Yeah. And those are those are all great things. And and throwing the kitchen sink at it, doing everything you can, you know, that's that's so important for those of us that get a diagnosis to feel like you know, we want to save our lives. So we're, we're going to do it all. Um, so we do like to ask that question, but feel like there's really nothing that's too weird for us. <laughs> it's just right. Right. People it is. So tell us, um, Lisa, have you learned anything from your diagnosis? In my perspective, with my diagnosis, I feel like it was a wake up call and I had lessons to learn and, and I've learned those. And I'm curious if you have learned anything that you'd like to share. Cancer has been the biggest blessing in my life. And, and I don't say that lightly, you know, nobody wants to go through cancer. If I could go back, would I want to go through it? Probably not. But it brought so many lessons and blessings in my life. I knew I radically had to change my life, right? There were people that I was tolerating in my life and things that I was tolerating that I knew was not healthy for me. But again, I was such a people pleaser, I couldn't get out of my own way. So those are some of the things that I learned. I learned that relationships with people, my family, my close friends was really important. Um, I learned that having a, a social support system was so important because I had a couple of really close friends 
but I never had a big circle. And so I just started to develop all these different relationships. So one of the, the lessons that I've learned is that by giving back and helping other people learn about how to heal from cancer and just loving on people, supporting them, praying with them, that is the biggest blessing and lesson that I've learned on how much that actually helps me. And I find that with my cancer support group, people always ask me, well, isn't that really hard? Isn't that really intense? And I say, I don't think you really understand the gift that these people give me. They're the strongest people I know, the most courageous people I know, the most loving people I know, and they've become just part of my family. So giving back to people and helping people is really the biggest lesson that I've gotten out of the cancer journey. And I'm so proud of that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Do you have any examples of healing stories from your support group or somebody that really has inspired you uh, a little bit, you know, kind of a shining star? I have many. I have many. There, there are just so many incredible people in my group. Um, I have a very dear friend, not part of my group, but a dear friend who had a miraculous healing from stage four cancer. I've had other people in my group that have, have done some of the healing factors, but have done other things in their life. And most of it involves a lot of mindset work, a lot of learning how to control your stress response, learning how to not react right away. Um, and, and people that have built up their social support system and changed their way of eating and leaned into other things, yoga, meditation, all kinds of things. So I've met so many incredible people that were told maybe they had three months to live, maybe they had six months to live, and lived many, many more years, and some are still alive. So I'm really encouraged by them. Yeah, those are those are great stories. And, you know, we all have to remember that no matter how much more time we get, if it's quality time, that's, mm -hmm. that's a blessing. That's a bonus, right? You know, living years beyond the, the prognosis is a blessing. Yes. And, um, I just love to hear stories of people that have overcome and, and continued on. So thanks for sharing those. You're very welcome. So tell us a little bit more about how you made room in your life for the healing. You've got this busy life. You've got a lot going on. You've mm -hmm. made room for healing. How did you build that in? Well, I get this question asked a lot of me and, you know, how do you do this? Isn't it a lot of work? How do you juice every day and prep your food and cook nutritious meals? And it's a very simple answer that I heard Chris, Chris Walk say at a convention, which is it's simple. I just want to live. And so that's really it. You know, if you want to live and you want to live healthy and you want to live with energy and you want to, you know, make, turn your pain into your passion, you make time for it. And it just becomes a way of life. You learn to stop doing the things that might have been hurting you and replace those with the things that are helping you. So in the morning, first I get up, I do my devotional, I'll go out, I'll do some grounding, I'll go for a walk, come back do some things around the house, prep my food, make my herbal tea, then I'll go to the gym. So it's it's all just a way of life for me now. So nothing is really a chore. I mean, 
I'm not somebody that loves to cook. Shh, don't tell anybody. Everybody thinks I'm a nutrition cook. I'm like the chef. Well, I'm not. <laughs> so I'm really good at helping people simplify the meal plan. You know, I don't necessarily like to use the word diet. Um, I just think it can be a very negative word. So I like to teach people how to develop a meal plan and make that sustainable for however busy their lives are. You know, some of them love to cook and grow their own herbs and, you know, grow their own uh, produce. But others are like me and you're just very busy for those type of things. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. I, I like to say my life depends on it. So yeah. these are my new lifestyle habits because my life depends on it. And um, it certainly motivates me to keep doing those things. Not that I don't have down days. We probably all do, right? We all take a little break and then think, okay, I got to reset and restart. But um. yeah, I like to say that I've turned my pain into my passion. I love that. Yeah, I was just going to comment on that. That's a, a nice little phrase there. Do you want to elaborate a bit? <laughs> well, you know, you go through this very, very scary time, right? Your life changes the second they say you have cancer. I think every anybody that's been diagnosed with cancer can relate to this. You feel like you're having an out-of-body experience, like the, the oncologist isn't talking to you. And I remember when he was giving me the bad news about the 3C, and I'm, you know, as he put it, endometrial cancer uh, grows like wildfire, and you'll always be at risk of a reoccurrence, and he was lovely. And I remember just kind of ignoring him and just talking to God, right? Because I'm like, this guy's, I don't know if he's going to help me, God, but I think that you might. So it was funny. And then at the last minute, he put his hand on my hair and says, and you're going to lose all your hair. And I remember turning and looking at it, giving him like a dirty look and saying, well, it's 2017. Why is that going to happen? There has to be something. And he said to me, of all the things I've said to you, that's all you care about? I said, right now, yes. <laughs> right now, I want to know about my hair. And so thankfully there was a lady in there, a nurse who told me about cold tapping. So that's something I did during my treatments. My husband and my son very graciously put those freezing cold caps on me every 30 minutes for eight hours. Mm, so, bless them. And that doctor yeah. like, okay, dude, how about you sit down here and, and take this in your veins and lose <laughs> all your hair? Let's see how you're going to feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have the best, he still doesn't have the best bedside manner. Yeah, you know, yeah. but I'll, but I'll tell you a kind of a interesting story. Um, a couple of years when I went to see him, and we had a very strange relationship because I asked a lot of questions and he didn't like that. But this time was very different. He was very somber. His daughter in her twenties was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Oh my goodness! And this is the first time he was open to talking to me about nutrition and asking my advice. And so it's a horrible way to get a doctor to listen, you know, yeah. but that, that really opened his eyes to that, That's sad. you know, really and sad. my very, very sad. And my local oncologist, you know, was, was always the same. What do you think about eating sugar? Oh, it's fine. Eat what you want. Right. So, um, when my immune system goes up, he always says to me, I told you it would come back. And I say, doctor, it's been six years. Like, it's this and this and this that I do. He says, I'm not questioning you anymore. I'm sending people to you. So that was big. That okay. was big. Yeah. yeah. And it's you. funny because when I check out of the oncology office and the girls at the desk ask me, so he wants to see you in six months? 
and he will turn around and say, oh, I never tell her when she's coming back. She tells me. <laughs> so I take empowerment very seriously. <laughs> oh, good for you. I love that. Yeah. Oh, so That's great. So Lisa, thank you so much for all of this. Is there any one last piece of advice or anything that you want to share with folks that are on their own healing journey? Well, I think you mentioned it before, Carla. Cancer is a wake-up call, right? We want to change our diet, our lifestyle habits. Um, you really have to work on your mindset. Again, the body has a great ability to heal itself. Once you change the terrain and give it the right conditions, you want to reduce the stress in your life and increase the joy. Um, advocate for yourself. Get a second opinion. Get a third opinion. Get all your labs, your test results. And for some people, it's very difficult and upsetting to them for them to read them. Have a loved one do it or a dear friend. But know what you're dealing with because it's really important to advocate for yourself and ask those questions. And trust me, there's no dumb question when it comes to cancer. People are afraid to ask those questions. Don't be afraid. Empower yourself and advocate for yourself and help your own body heal. That's that really is great, great. advice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And Thank I you. think it's important you're mentioning, you know, have a friend do, you know, or your partner, or, you know, family member, mm -hmm. look at the reports, have them do the research too, and then just weed out yes. what, you know, is relevant for you, right? You can, you can give people jobs to do now. You can ask them to help you. And it's, it's good. That's right. Having somebody else read the list of side effects on the patient insert for your, your new drug or whatever it is you might need to take is a great idea. Cause then you don't think about these are all the side effects I might encounter and therefore I am going to have them. You can, you can let somebody else just be aware of it and, and keep track of it for you and, and let you know something doesn't seem right. So that's a great all, point. Yeah. It, you know, because as soon as we start thinking about that's going to be a side effect, guess what happens? It's a side yeah. effect. Yeah, it's a side effect. And the other thing um, is kind of on the same line, Carla and Liz, is I tell people not to listen to the statistics that their oncologists so want to tell them. You know, oh, in Germany, 50% of the people live five years. It's a horrible thing to do to a cancer patient. That number gets in your head, and it's really hard to get that out. So I always tell my oncologists from day one, I don't want to hear those statistics. Please don't tell them to me, you know? And I just think it's important to kind of keep yourself in a positive mindset as best as you can during this time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Oh, Lisa, thank you so much. This has all been so great. Um, if people want to connect with you for radical remission coaching or a functional nutrition coaching, how can they reach you? Where will they find you? They can find me on my website, TarantinoCoachingAndWellnessLLC.com. Fantastic. And I'll be We'll put that, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes so people can find you. And of course, you're also listed on the Radical Remission Coach, uh, Find a Coach webpage, so they can find you there Perfect. as well. Yay. Perfect. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, thank you ladies, so much. I really enjoyed this, and I, I really appreciate you um, having me on. Well, you're such an inspiration. We're so excited to share your story with all the people that need the hope and the inspiration. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Radical Remission Project, Stories That Heal podcast. 
Once again, I'm Kelly A. Turner, PhD, cancer researcher and founder of the Radical Remission Project. If you found today's episode inspiring, we encourage you to share it with anyone you think would benefit. If you'd like more information about the Radical Remission Project, or would like some support bringing the 10 Radical Remission Healing Factors into your own life, visit us at RadicalRemission.com to find a certified Radical Remission Health Coach or to learn about an upcoming Radical Remission Workshop. And if you'd like to connect with Liz or Carla directly for health coaching, you can visit RadicalRemission.com forward slash about us. Most importantly, be sure to like, share, and please, please, please review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews are what allow us to keep finding sponsors, and sponsors are what allow us to keep bringing you these podcasts. So thank you in advance for your reviews. One last thing, would you like to be on our podcast? If you're a radical remission survivor who's been in remission for at least three years, meaning that you either have stable or dormant disease, or perhaps even no evidence of disease. You can contact us at radicalremission.com forward slash podcast. The Stories That Heal podcast is a production of the Radical Remission Project and Cat Productions, hosted by Liz Curran and Carla Mans Giroux, produced by Ryan Giroux, music by Batchbug. Follow The Stories That Heal wherever you get your podcasts.